This is a HeadGum Podcast. Okay. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey. Uh, no prayer today. I'm tired. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Just <laughs> wow. <laughs> Don't you wish sometimes a, a pastor, Emma, keep this in. Don't you wish sometimes your pastor would come out on stage and be like, guys, let's just, like, yeah, we get it. Let's just start let's lunch. the freaking show. And the tea is like, hard. Consider the source. Hey. God, consider the source. It's me. Oh, I'm a fan of my mom. Welcome to Good Christian Fun, your paper towel roll of evangelical Christian Ooh. pop culture podcasts. In that it's uh, flimsy and kind of hollow. I'm Kevin. It needs to be replaced. Yeah, and it does need to be replaced. I'm Kevin. I'm balsamic vinegar. Balsamic vinegar. <laughs> and we're here to have some good Christian fun. Good That's Christian right. fun is the podcast where we talk about Elmo and Christian pop culture, the music and the movies and the entertainment made for and made by Christian. We're not here to make fun of you. We're not here to make you go to church. But we might make you go to your local AMC to watch the latest in Christian mm. erotica uh, in the form of a movie called, I was called it Fifty Shades of Grace, but that's not what it's called. It's, it's called, <laughs> it's called Redeeming Love. Yeah. Based on the Francine Rivers book. We're just here to have fun though and get, uh, I, I don't know, not too horny, but like marriage horny. I don't know. Like, yeah, horny for marriage, horny for commitment. Horny for being stolen into love. And the only reason I'm allowed to do this podcast today is because I'm doing it with two covenant members. Yeah. Two uh, females. It's so disgusting. A, a podcast man saying females. It's like red females. flag on the field. Turn this off. Call the police. Who have been betrothed <laughs> to their beloved. Oh, okay. That's uh, what a covenant member is. Yeah, that's what I mean. No, Alive. you're a member of a covenant marriage. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and we could, we could giggle gaggle all day, but I, I, I just need to talk about this stuff real quick. We got to get to it. So let's introduce our guest right now, friends and folks. Uh, she is responsible for the best wedding I've ever been to in my life. And you can listen to her podcast, Untitled Dad Project. Give it the hell up for Jean Castro. Yum. Is that dreamt. what you're saying? I've, I've, dreamt like, of, yeah. I've dreamt of feeling that way again. <laughs> Hell yeah. There's nothing that feels like that intro. Exclusive experience. Oh my Welcome, gosh. Danielle. We're happy to have you back. Thank you. Thank you so Kevin, much. For, yes, please. 
I will never get tired of hearing that my wedding was one of the best weddings you've ever been to. I'll never get tired of saying it. I mean, I talked about, I think, a little bit on one of our second service episodes. He's after talked I about gotten, it so much. I, I haven't stopped so talking. So much. Like, I heard about this wedding for What does he say? What does he say behind my back? Oh, behind my wedding's back, I mean, Caroline. just, it was like top tier. He went on and on about mm. how the vows were so great. And to be fair, I was not upset to be hearing about this. I enjoyed this conversation. I'm just saying he had a lot to say. That's how much he admired the way you two talk to each other. And then, of course, there were unfavorable comparisons to other people's vows and how shit they were and oh, how no. that kind of true. ruined it for him in the future. So you are— All right, your vows. Your wedding, it's that wedding. I Thank you so much. I went to one a few short weeks after that uh, was a little lacking. I'm not going to use any specifics at all, but I will okay. say— that the the na- the nature of it did lead me to <laughs> to uh, find a uh, a Disney Plus series called Fairy Tale Weddings in which Disney adults get married to each other and they do have their own personal Disney dreams come true in the form of their marriage ceremonies, which includes uh, you know a woman in her vow saying life without you would be like Mickey without Minnie, um, <laughs> a, a, an Avatar themed wedding at one point, which was um, as okay, moving cool. as that movie was when we all saw it, and uh, yeah, it was incredible. But yes, I I, I said this to you before uh, on on a different call, but it did remind me of sort of like the Station Eleven traveling symphony of weddings, where it's oh. like, what if you let the theater kids rule the roost, but they, you know, and do the exact right job that they mm. need to with that stuff. Mm. That, make, that makes me feel so good. It's also, like, absolutely correct. Theater people should rule the roost. Like, my wedding coordinator was a theater stage manager. Oh, My matron shit. of honor is it a showed. director. <laughs> she, like, made sure everyone walked at the exact moment we wanted the music to hit Dang. and made it seem seamless and organic. Oh, my gosh. Theater kids should rule the world. I will say the closest thing we got to fandom was those who know, know that the song Jordan was playing that the band was playing when he walked down the aisle was the Zelda fairy. That's right. Oh, Aww. my gosh. Yeah. I know, and I immediately texted friends. I'm like, they're playing the Zelda song for the freaking <laughs> ceremony. Like, I think Kevin got married I, that day. I did. I don't need to <laughs> get married now. Yes, <laughs> I'm married to y'all. You're welcome. <laughs> he got married to the event. <laughs> Loved it. Ah, uh, it was gorgeous. You know, and we're talking about marriage today uh, in in the form of this movie based on the book from the '90s by Francine Rivers. And I would love to know, Jean-Yelle, since the last time you were on the show, which I believe was about three years ago, which is wild, uh, how your understanding of covenant marriage has changed, how your understanding of love has changed, relationships, things of this nature. Um, It turns out that you just have to find someone who's very nice to you kind of all the time. This is the key. And then marry them, and it is— not that hard to do it once you have figured out what is wrong with you. And then when you start doing it, you notice you're doing it. And then you're like, oh, I'm doing that thing. And then you say, I need a hug. I don't actually need to fight. And then they give you a hug. These are my secrets to marriage. Ooh, This sounds yeah. like it tracks That's with Caroline's experience Agreed. too, right? Yeah. I, I don't know how often I have told people like, yeah, same. Just find someone who's very kind to you and accept like the Ellen. kindness. Like Ellen. And you have to be attracted to them, of course. You know that. But just like, really, someone who is really nice all the time, couldn't recommend it more. It's really good. Especially when you're a little bit of a sassy girl like me, you know? (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, same, same. It's it's actually very irritating because Jordan and I have like the love story where like he was my friend for a while and he loved me and I was dating other people, which is like not the story. <laughs> it's like not the gospel that I want to put out in the world, which is like if you keep waiting, you know? Yes. Like, yeah, like do yes, a holding pattern not, over a woman. If they're nice enough, they'll Generally, be patient. We don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> no. God, I know. Uh, they'll be a real Michael Jose about it. No, that's not the thing. It was like ge- earnest moment. It genuinely was like I wasn't attracted to him, and then I like that way, mm-hmm. and then I was in therapy for a very long time, and I was healing a bunch of stuff. And at one point, my healed self was like, I want to smell him. <laughs> What is this? Wow. Like, I want to be near him. It was like on a basic pheromonal level, the things I was healing from were like actually changing, I think, like just like what I was attracted to and how. That's cool. And I, but there's no, that's not useful to anybody, right? When people like ask me for advice, I'm just like, I don't know. One day you just want to jump their bones and before you didn't. And I cannot tell you what to do other than like work very hard to heal yourself, I guess. Well, yeah. let me like, just find Nate, you know, like if you can find <laughs> yes. Nate, marry him. I don't but you cannot Wait, marry I can find I Nate. <laughs> I know exactly where Nate lives. Wait a minute. I gotta go. It feels Amazing. very individual. Find his iPhone. <laughs> yeah. I feel just useless to the world of like dating advice, but like profoundly happy. So I'm just one of those like happy, useless people. Yay. I will pile on to that and piggyback and echo that by saying this comes back to, a, I think I did tell Caroline about this, a conversation I was having with my therapist who, uh, was also dating at the time. I'm not sure what his status is now, but, uh, you know, picture of, you know, a white man in his mid-40s, kind of conservative-looking, actually Christian man. And he was talking about the things you're attracted to in your youth and the things you're attracted to in your adulthood. And he quoted the Chris Rock special, I believe, Tambourine. He said, I was watching the Chris Rock special, Tambourine. And he said, when I was young, I went after, you know, a certain kind of woman, a little more wild, a little more unstable. And now at this age, peace makes my dick hard. And him imparting that to me uh, really stuck in every way imaginable. Just like imagine this mid 40s white guy being like, peace makes my dick hard. Modality of therapy. But that's the pheromones, and you you smelling it one day before not smelling it. Um, That's, you know, that that is a real thing. And you crave peace and you desire consistency. And that is a, a virtue unto itself. We, Man, nice guys really do always finish last, you know? What? <laughs> Wait, why is that the takeaway? <laughs> because, because they're so nice. You're and not like, attracted they just to gotta them. wait. Yeah. <laughs> Until peace makes their dick hard. Uh, no, I don't actual know. kindness is very different. Yeah, like Ellen. I can't teach you. It is it is crazy how kindness and I it's like a sense memory. I you I, can't, I want can't. to. The word is it. no longer same the same to you. You're yeah. like that dog that that presses that button. Yeah, Pavlov's the dog little... talk. Oh, the oh the TikTok Daisy dog, not Pavlov's. Yeah. Someone's... Oh, the dog and TikTok that kind. says like, yeah. "Kill yeah. me." You just hear Ellen. Yeah. Well, yes, I that's the one. I do have a doormat to. Sorry to dox my place. Please don't find me. But um, I do have a doormat to my place that is a little rainbow, and it says "Be kind" on it, and I try to preach that every day. Uh, I did buy it that's ironically, amazing. and now I don't know if I mean it or P not. P2K. Yeah, P2K. Oh, yeah. Kevin, I'm why are you dancing? Kindness. What's that? I, I know. Why well, are you he, dancing? Well, she doesn't dance that much now either. That's not the truth, Kevin. That's I, <laughs> Wow. The way she slipped into that. Goodness that's gracious. 
I know. I, I hope one day I see Dakota and we just do like a little nod to each other. Like, you know, <laughs> at the end of an action movie where the, yeah. you know, the good guys are just like, Wow. Do you think Dakota knows who you are? No, no chance. No chance she knows. She might. I don't, I believe she knows me not at all. I'm going to think she does just that, a little bit. That's a nice thought and I appreciate nice. it, but it feels absolutely <laughs> unrealistic. <laughs> she thinks you are the same as her. I, I wonder what if you, she follows you after this. Can you imagine? I don't believe she's on social media, but always with celebrities at that stratosphere, especially like showbiz babies like her you know, the product of uh, Don, Don Johnson, Melanie Griffith, which, who boy, don't look into that dating history. It's very depressing what the age gaps were there. Uh, uh, but uh, I, I just assume that they're never aware of like when they're trending or when they're like a meme. Mm-hmm. Someone always has to say, hey, Daniel Craig, did you know there's like the weekend account? And he's always just like, oh, cool. You know, like it doesn't yes. matter, I don't think. Mm-hmm. At that level. That's just my assumption. I might be projecting. Yeah. But people aren't playing the same game as like Reese Witherspoon's like, hey, y'all, I like NFTs. Make me a meme. Or yeah. Whatever. Like it's a, it's a <laughs> yes. different thing, a certain mm-hmm. stratosphere. Mm-hmm. There's a level of like artists who like become sort of useless to the world around them. Like they're no longer like present in the internet. And I aspire to be that level of artist. Agree. That's the thing. Yeah. Every, so fun. Everyone wants to do the Issa Rae where she was so online. She had her YouTube show. She was just hustling, hustling. She gets insecure. And now all she tweets is watch Insecure on Sunday. And then, yeah. And then her real life ascends. is just like perfect gossip with yeah. the best people every day. You know? Maybe. Maybe when you ascend and you're like <laughs> Illuminati level famous, they have their own internet. Oh, they have their own internet. That's well, why. Well, that's like their own the like Ryan internet. or whatever. Yeah. I, I believe yeah. that's yeah. canon on 30 Rock is that the celebrities have their own. <laughs> have a secret internet. Yeah. Because Tom Hanks <laughs> calls someone and he says, Brad Pitt's the webmaster. Wake him up. <laughs> I believe this is in the 100th episode. Yeah. That's like a joke. And uh, wow. Yeah, I, I believe that. I believe that. They don't, that sounds nice. I, I will say a, a little blind item from a friend of mine. I told you about this. At the beginning of the pandemic, the celebrities did have a Zoom call with Anthony Fauci for him to like tell them what's going no. on. Oh my God. And Gwyneth Paltrow was on it and a bunch of other like people at that level. And he was like, hey, it's all going to be okay. What? Here's what's going on. Oh my and, God. But they did. Yeah. They had the capital to request that and receive a little Zoom call from. Flip flop Fauci the himself. little Zoom chat. There's just a little Zoom chat, a little Zoom chat <laughs> QA. And it's just Gwyneth no one was being listening. like, Are vaccines real? Yeah. Yeah. Um, is selling each other's products. Imagine the side texting. Guys, on Fabletics that is having a sale. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, I, I'm happy to hear that you found your Michael Hosea, uh, that he rescued you my from God. the the din of um podcasting what's the i'm just yeah crying in my closet into a microphone for five years yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah he just whipped open the door and brought me out paradise he was actually in my podcast though oh yeah he was like a kind friend he was was there we had people do like rituals and i have this like casserole drop off and he shows up and he's brought like every food i've ever mentioned liking oh my god and it was just like too much right like it was just like too wonderful yeah and i didn't know how to talk he about the fact down. that like i knew the reason this person was doing it is because they loved me and then <laughs> between recording that and the years later of editing it i fell in love with him and oh then i was like god. do i tell the internet like do i and then i dated and someone in between way, who, like, completely cut out guy. of the podcast oh my gosh oh wow jordan <laughs> Wait, is he here? Wait, I, you keep scratching his butt, but then you're getting my leg. Oh, I'm so, sorry. You know, I'm gonna keep moving oh. him over. It's sorry, right. uh, Caroline's <laughs> just uh, lightly petting Caroline, kind of a little scream. Yeah, does it look like, like I'm just close. like inappropriately 
this is a head gum HR I know it's violation. not for me. It's it's Dexter. He's he's had a little rough day today, so mm. we're, we're trying to to calm him down. I think you've had the rough day. Uh, Dexter stepped into his power today. I will say, <laughs> I, I did have a little rough day today. Also, Dexter did vomit and then ate it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so, who amongst what's us? What's the problem? Who amongst us? That's an interesting idea, though. The idea that. Uh, you know, you can seed in a love interest for yourself in your own nonfiction <laughs> podcast where it's like, this is going to come back in future seasons Ugh. of my life. It makes me wonder, like, Ugh. am I one day going to marry Guy Branham or, wow. you know, someone we've had oh, on this you'd show? Oh, you'd be so lucky. I, I would, to marry Guy, I, I would actually feel very that's lucky. happiness for life. I would be very, very satisfied. Um, but yeah, that's fun to think about. Uh, It'll probably be uh, the Elmo puppet, if anything. Wait, was the Elmo puppet mm, on our podcast? Definitely. Was I mean, he? during the In early spirit. days of the quarantine, that was sort of the way you were communicating with the world. So I think it was probably there. Yeah. Actually, I remember very clearly, yes, like yeah. Elmo was on. Elmo was on the po- – I remember a promo picture for it. Is yeah. that what you're talking about? No, I remember. I think he was on the podcast. He was like, "Hey guys, listeners are gonna have to confirm." Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure though. Man, that was. You don't think that sounds like you? Well, that was definitely if it if it happened. That was a creative peak for us. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Was, no. That I mean, the outfit like, happened. <laughs> if I did it again, yes. If I did it, dress and everything. if I was Elmo, here's how. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Oh gracious! Well, um, again, happy to hear that love is real. Um, I was. Hmm. Doubting love, given uh, you know the things Caroline would tell me about her marriage, but hearing yeah. you and uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Jordan's experience, <laughs> it sounds wonderful. And uh, on that note, let's take a quick break, and we'll be <laughs> right back with more good Christian fun. This headgum podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little a person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. 
Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to Good Christian Fun. It's time to dive into this steamy turn of the century topic. Come on, let's go. Mm, we got some love to redeem. Um, goodness gracious. Redeeming love. We open we, on a dusty ass town. <laughs> ready to get horny. Exterior day. <laughs> Redeeming love. This was, of course, the kind of Christian romance novel landmark released in 1991 by Miss Francine Rivers, who herself was obsessed with many a romance novel in her day. And she wrote a bunch of them before she was actually a Christian. And so it was like a genre she was pretty into and aware of. And so like in her bibliography, there's like Francine Rivers BC works. And it's like everything she wrote that like wasn't explicitly Christian. And then there's this book. There's another book that's about um, abortion that I believe she wrote. There's one called The Sin Eater, uh, which sounds like a Stephen King novel, but it's not. That was made into a movie a couple years ago. And then, of course, this is kind of the flagship one, Redeeming Love, which I assume even though I did not have any experience with it, that one, either, or both of y'all did have some measure of experience with redeeming love, as many a a, a Christian woman did in that time period, <laughs> in that sweet spot. Okay, Caroline, uh, we have one, two, three, yes or no? Uh, of, of what? One, did we have a profound oh. experience with this novel oh, okay, as a young okay, child? Okay, okay, yes. One, two, three, no. yes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, Oh my god! This was my twilight. Oh my god! Well, I'll I'll give mine really quick because it's it's boring. Yeah. But then I want to hear your your history with this. Yeah. But I I'm surprised this book came out in '91. I thought this book came out in like the early oh 2010s because that's when I first heard of it. And for whatever you thought it was reason, an Obama second term book. Yes, I thought it was an Obama era novel, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense in the context of what was going on. Um, <laughs> and you know the drone strikes and all that, but. Um, I, I think it like for whatever reason it like swept the like campus crusade group I was part of and I knew a lot of girls mm. were reading it all at the same time. I don't know if that was unique to my campus or maybe they like republished it at the time or something, but it had a different cover and it looked very uh very fun and very very romantic. Um I was not interested in that kind of book at the time. I did not read it and I assumed it was for um people who liked romance books, which is not me. Couldn't be her. <laughs> Couldn't be me. My so grandmother was weirdly obsessed with romance novels. Okay. And I remember her reading a bunch of them when I was a young boy. <laughs> and it shaped me to this a day. A lot of older ladies are. Yeah. A lot of older ladies are. That's the a outlet. Lot of old, older ladies, they have that secret shelf the way the, the men have the secret beer fridge. Oh, it's yeah. It's just that like. I don't have that. <laughs> you <laughs> actually don't. <laughs> I actually don't. Wait, okay. So what was it's your experience with it? Uh, I remember this was a big deal when I was in middle school. So I was mm. shocked that it was 91. Shocked. I was one years old when this book came out. It had I legs. It was yeah. Like, I thought it was like a 2004 thing. Okay. So yeah. we had a similar uh, experience. We, Interesting. Yeah. This was like a freshman year of high school thing. This was like, and it really was the precursor to Twilight. It was like everyone passed around Redeeming Love. We all read it. We all wept. We all cried. We were all like, I'm going to marry a man who is like amazing <laughs> and I'm never going to settle. And he's going to be like this. And it was like, actually, it was kind of like our pretty woman. It was like our pretty woman and our Twilight. Because oh, like, it's like yes. the, the like exceptional girl finds the guy who's like unrelenting, which is the yes. Twilight. And she and like kind of doesn't deserve like him, but gets him anyway yeah. just based yeah. on like of yeah. how pure his love is or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, we we absolutely loved it. And I saw it last night um, or two nights ago with uh, Carson. And she was obsessed with it as a little girl. She was obsessed. Like, this was her favorite, favorite, favorite oh book. Oh, my God. And so she did cry several times. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, she just kept crying. We'll get into this, but this is another reason why this movie was very shocking to me is from its hmm. reputation and the way it was passed around, you know, all these women, Christian women. Passed thought, around like Angel. Like Angel herself. <laughs> I thought this was a much tamer story story than it ended up being. Like, this story is crazy, like, graphic and violent and yeah. very difficult subjects touched on it. And so I, it was a shock to learn and to hear really? that you were reading this, like, freshman year of high school yeah. and, like, all these little kids are, like, using this as a blueprint for romance. Yeah. It's like, damn. And maybe we should put some content warnings on this right now just in the, oh, oh, yeah, my God. In the sense Literally of, everything. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it, yeah. It, uh, content warning for human trafficking, content warning for sexual abuse, content warning Child for sex abuse, uh, yes, uh, Child, pedophilia, yeah. content suicide. warning for incest, oh content warning for suicide. That's this book, Redeeming Love. <laughs> this is the book that your mom wanted you to read. Yes. Okay, but here's the thing is that like when you are so young and you have such a budding sexuality and you're like as late a bloomer as I am. Like, my imagination for, like, like, the way she wrote it, if I remember correctly, it was, like, you could imagine bad things happening in the bad room, but mm. she could, like, write around it so that you picture it in your head. And whatever I pictured in my head was, like, my 14-year-old imagination of what, like, a whorehouse would be. Do you know what I mean? Like, totally. You feel the vibe, but you don't have an image. Whereas for the film, you have the image. You see a child. Like, you see a child in this room. Like, it's so much yeah. more visceral and so much more unrelenting. So that makes sense that it was, like, so much more jarring for you. Yeah, that makes sense, too. So mm. uh, well, Caroline and I saw this movie on Saturday, a little matinee at our favorite little mm. mall multiplex. And there were up to six or seven other people in there <laughs> as well, uh, which is when you know you're in for a good time. What was, Yeah, what was your club like? I saw it on a crowded... Full house Saturday night at Alamo Draft House Full in house. Dallas, Texas, entirely filled with women, none of which are none of whom wearing masks. Oh, not well, a single one. Yeah, I mean the vaccination rate. So I'm we had really low. different experiences of this <laughs> at film. all of our screenings. Yeah. Wow, it was a full house at Alamo uh -huh. Draft House. Uh -huh. Dang. So people it was, were it was like Saturday night, baby. ordering fries to watch this movie. Yeah. Yeah, this redeeming like, love rowdy screening. Yeah, passion of the Christ yeah. level. Like, don't get a popcorn. Yes. It is intense. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes, they were. I was. Gonna, it, it was mostly women. There was lots of like mothers and daughters. Oh, like, like I saw like yes, a lot yes, of like yes. twenty-year-old daughters with mothers. There was a couple like men there. Wow. So, I eavesdropped afterwards, and this one woman said, "You know, Dave was really at some of those times being like, I don't want to be sitting next to my daughter Katie during this part." And they all yeah. laughed, and then she was like, "But you know, it's marriage, so it's actually really good." Oh. And we were just eavesdropping. But God bless. Oh, gosh. God I love bless. that. Were God they bless, like? Dave. Were they vocal at all during the movie? Like, were they? Was there any like? Hmm. Or, Yes. <laughs> yes. And this is what I'm mad at you for, is that I never would have seen this movie. Like, I never would have. I would have never gone to this movie. Really? I would have just, like, laughed and been like, oh, haha, ha, they yeah. made this movie about this thing I watched as a kid. Like, I have just, like, so repressed so much of my, like, adolescent understanding of the whole world. And I'm so mad that you made me, like, dust this off. When Kevin texted me this, I was like, how dare you? I don't know if I'm ready to confront, like, what I feel or how I felt then or how I feel now. And now I'm livid because I feel as though I'm going to have to defend this film. Oh my God. <laughs> because, because my hot take is that I think it is actually a very 
effective romance novel. It is genre fiction. It is effective romance novel. It is an incredibly poor Christ metaphor. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually think it's, it fails on all, like, the Christian counts. Like, I don't think the God metaphor holds up kind of at all. But in terms of, like, the romance novel genre, like, genre fiction has its, like, its purpose and its meaning. Like, I worked on um, the Hot and Bothered podcast, season one with Vanessa Sultan and Ariana Edelman, and they were treating romance novels as a sacred text. And they would talk about how, like, the pursuit of believing that your character will end happily, that this person will find a way, despite all of the odds, to be okay, not only okay, but, like, thriving and happy at the end is actually a really radical act. Because they were, like, writing romance novels through, like, debilitating depression. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, an act of almost saving their own lives to imagine this, like, happy ending. And at the end of this film, when she walks out, spoilers, and she has the the, the big happy pregnant babe belly and the little kid, and she's she thought she was sterile, whatever, um, that last image with the fish, the entire audience of women all went, Oh. Oh my God. I'm not kidding. It was a visceral, (laughs) like awe plus sigh. Yeah. And because of that moment, I walked, I looked around and I was like, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) It I'm gonna have to defend each of these women's right to to have the completely non-challenging world of like evil is evil and good is good, and there are actually zero complications. And at the end, the person gets what they want. And it makes you feel happy. And that's kind of a nice radical thing to have when the world around you is sad. And now I'm annoyed because I would never have to do this. I have notes. I have all of these the notes. The redeeming love oh apologist has entered the chat. Janelle is a Zodiac-like want. notebook scribbled and scrawled I don't notes. want to be this. But I just... I'm so glad you brought that to the table, though, because I do think that is an important thing. And I, I love romance movies. I love rom-coms. I love romance in general. I think it's great. And sometimes you do feel kind of defensive about it as a genre because it's such a an easy joke, you know, to make. Um, but it does, like, make people feel like really wonderful things, you know, and that's and valid point, and that's nice, you know, and good. And the point of the romance genre, not like rom-coms or like romantic novels where like lots of complications happen. Like the point of the genre of the romance, at least in my experience, the books that I have read since, since I did that podcast, I was like, okay, that'd be kind of a fun, horny way to spend an afternoon. So I got into them and they're all like, like no one is ever bad. They're just misunderstood. Like there's like a purity and a simplicity to characters. I just, having read a couple romance novels, some of them good. There are exceptions to the genre that are like really good. A lot of them, like the mediocre ones, like Francine Rivers is actually, I think, a very good romance novelist. Okay. And I just think, I think she's good. I think within the genre, her work holds up. It's the shoehorning in the God of it that I think might be just like, like a scam. Ah. And in that way, I'm kind of thinking her of as like a girl boss that she like managed to like grift everyone. Into, she reskinned like, her romance <laughs> novel. Yeah, I don't think she thinks decal that. Decal of she, Christianity. Like, you know, I'm sure she. I feels think this it. was her worship. Yeah, I'm sure. I think this was her worship. Yeah, but I just think old habits die hard, and I have a lot of evidence <laughs> for why I think it is a poor god metaphor, but an effective romance. Novel. Well, yeah, and we Let's can friggin' go. We can start from there, just in kind of <laughs> zooming out to the sort of authorial intent of the romance novel Redeeming Love, which was to do a sort of loose retelling of the book of Hosea in which the prophet Hosea is uh, ordered by God to uh, marry and commit to a quote-unquote promiscuous woman, a woman named Gomer, uh, who says, golly, Sarge. No, I'm just kidding. That's Gomer (laughs) from Andy Griffith's show. Uh, And so this book and this movie is a sort of allegorical loose retelling of that. And the original intent, I believe, of the book of Hosea is a picture of God in Israel. God is the faithful God. God is Hosea. 
and Israel is Gomer, an unfaithful people, an unfaithful nation. And isn't it wonderful how God has this redeeming love for um, his people, for his bride, the church, no matter how far they stray or how often that he always is there for them and the consistency of that love, blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of like the baseline of intent with the novel. Upon which but I read Hosea. <laughs> yeah. I came home after the movie and I sat down and I read all of Hosea. Tell us what you it learned. It is chapter one. Yeah. It, I, don't, you, I cannot tell you what you guys have done to me. Like, I'm so excited <laughs> for this to be out of my brain. I'm so excited for this to be out of my Please, get just, it out. It's taking up so much space. It is, like, it is like three sentences in the first chapter that talks about Gomer. And the rest of the book is just God shitting on Israel. He hates them. They are whores. And they are the worst, and Gomer's the worst. And then, like the, the like last three sentences are like, "But I will redeem you because I'm God and I love you." But wow. like, so there's like three sentences on either side, and Gomer's like in the first three sentences. Oh, I thought in the there was so much just, to that story. I did not revisit Hosea. Me too. <laughs> but it was like me an too. actual story of like, and then he pursued yes. Gomer and brought her home, et cetera, et cetera. No, okay, no, barely, barely, ooh, barely. That sounds like a bad book And Hosea book is not even a character. <laughs> he just talks the whole time. He's a narrator. No character relevant. One mm. thing that Ugh. the movie did not carry over from the book is that there is, uh, of course, like inner monologue that like there is in a lot of novels, uh, in, inner thoughts from the character's internal thought life. But also mm-hmm. in the novel, there is the internal monologue of both God and Satan talking to Angel. And Satan there is... is Tempting her in some ways, like, go back to the town. You know, you want to make more money. And God's like, no, be with your husband. It's good. Uh, So it was hard to, I'm sure, depict that in any meaningful way in this, like, (laughs) semi-mainstream Universal Pictures quasi-Christian movie. Uh, But yes. I sure wish they had tried. That does exist (laughs) in the book. That would have been really crazy. That would have been cool. That would have been so intense. It would have been a Lynchian spin on on redeeming love. So can you tell me, this movie, like, the production, like, what level of Christian is it? Like, is it a God's Not Dead level? Or is it kind of like a Mm. medium, you know, I can only imagine level? I I would (laughs) say for sure this is an I can only imagine. This is an Oren Brothers sort of joint. A crossover. We watch God's Not Dead, Colin, We the People. Where's that on 1 to 10? So God's Not Dead is like extremely, extremely Christian propaganda. 12, 15. Yeah, to 12, 15, maybe a 20 on that scale. And then I put, I can only imagine, still Christian, but maybe not necessarily a propagandist piece trying to convince you to save. Actually, I don't know if I can only imagine is a good example. How do you mean? Of like a lower on the spectrum. I think it's lower on the spectrum. Like Friday Night Lights? I feel like maybe more, no, like a mainstream Christian movie would probably be more like a better example, like a Noah or something like that. Yeah. Well, no, I would put Noah on like the one to two spectrum where it's like, it's the Bible and it's not crapping on the Bible per se. It's just kind of playing around that's with it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. In a way that's it's like, like, this is just a story we're using, dis- you know, to tell mm-hmm. in this movie. Not, not like, we need to convert. So yeah, I know. We should come up with like designated tiers where it's like, sure. Noah is in that like tier one. <laughs> and then I would say... Because uh, this had David A.R. White like on the production team, Yeah, right? he was a producer, the most divorced man in the world right now, next to Woo! Ben Affleck, David A.R. White. Break out my leather. Who is the, you know, uh, star of God's Not Dead, calling We the People. But this is something where it's like, uh, and 
talking about like the filmmaking of this is very boring, but it's a very well, uh, technically proficient movie, which should go without saying, but yeah. seems legitimate. A lot yes. of times with this, no. I mean, yeah. the the guy, <laughs> the director of this movie is a man named DJ Caruso, and his filmography does include The Salton Sea, Disturbia, Eagle Eye, and oh. of course Triple X, the res- the return of Xander, Xander Cage. Cage. So that's a little okay. insight into the pedigree of this movie. And then it was co-authored. The screenplay was by Francine Rivers as well. So she did have a lot of authorship oh, over, over the, the movie as well. So it's all like, you know, well-made, shot in South Africa during the pandemic, I believe. Um, so South Africa. South Africa was, uh, you know, sitting in for 19th century um, <laughs> California. Uh, California, the gold wow. rush, if you will. And, and like, oh yeah, the TLDR of this is basically uh, a farmer goes to a quote-unquote whorehouse Falls in love with a woman that he's uh, really attracted to. Just well, wants God to talk. Well, God tells him he needs to marry her. Doesn't want to mm-hmm. smash. No bangy, just talky. Marries her uh, while she's unconscious, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, during the film. Yeah. Takes her away to his little prison farm. She's resistant to it. He wears her down. And then she runs away a couple times. And she also has a lifetime of being like a sex worker. Trauma, when she trauma, was like yeah, trauma. six yes, years old, yes. basically. Yes. Yeah. And and uh, most of that is in the book. I think all of it's in the book. And like yeah. really horrific stuff. Her, her mother was also a sex worker. Uh, her father, I, I don't know, talk about some of this stuff. I don't know. Like it's yeah. dark. Well, I'm just giving slight context for her. And so yes. then eventually yeah. she relents after a lot of touch and go, a lot of running away, a lot of coming back. Which is also like, I don't know how much we need to fly our progressive flags of it does, you know, draw a straight line of like, well, she was traumatized and, you know, abused, which is the only reason anyone would be a sex worker, blah, blah, blah. You know, it makes that oh. very reductive uh, sort of line in the sand uh, as far as the I don't think it even goes. lets her, I don't think it even lets her, it doesn't even let her have made the decision to be a sex worker. No. This is my big bone to pick. Oh. It's like none of this love is re- redeeming because she is the perfect victim. She has she has never once had agency. Thank you. The, the entire story. This is the so thing that she, was making me so angry too. It was like constantly yes. played as if, well, she's just choosing not to be with him. I mean, she's choosing to go back to work. I'm like, this woman has very little choice in her life. And none. you uh, have like taken none of her history into account when you are deciding to just like make her marry you because you're nice to her. Unlike all the other men that have raped her her entire life. So why is she the like wayward woman in this story? Janiel, continue. And that's what, that's what annoys (laughs) me is that like, she never has. So she, she's just the perfect, perfect blameless victim. Everything that is bad about her was actually something somebody else who is way more powerful than her and actually just pure evil, Straight up evil did to her. Yes. So she never has a choice to like make any complicated, quote unquote, immoral decisions by the standard of the Francine Rivers like gospel conservative Christian standards. She never even makes like a sinful choice. So there's nothing to redeem. Yes. It's just like relocating love. Like there's nothing to redeem. And this is my, like if there was a moment where she had like chosen to be a sex worker and chosen to be with someone abusive for a lot of like complicated reasons that only make sense to her, mm-hmm. then that would have been something for someone else to kind of like have to butt up against just conflict wise to forgive. I don't even mean nor- morally. I just mean like conflict wise. Yes. Or like, okay, so there's like a, a really um, traumatic scene where you realize she was, she can't have kids because she, t- she, then that's a big turning point for her realizing she can never give this man, even though she's turned, started to like feel for him. She can't give him kids. And she feels, like, so dirty and ashamed of that that she can't do that, that she runs away for the, like, last final time. Um, 
And you see this really horrible scene where you see that the evil guy who was her abuser, like, has a forced abortion on her and then essentially sterilizes her. But, like, what's to forgive? What's to forgive? That was done to her. Like, what's, that was done to her. That's and like, even when like, she does run away, she is still trying to care for Michael Hosea and is, like, yeah. setting him up with a new girl who, like, can give him a family <laughs> and whatever he wants. Doing a total <laughs> Doing solid. And then, like, running a uh, a center for women who used to be forced into sex work yeah. so they get educated. And still she is, like, portrayed as someone who is, like, holding out or not, like, thinking about God or whatever. It's like, yeah, this it's, one has insurmountable trauma to deal with and you are just like there's nicing her redeem. into forgetting it. Yeah, like that's not how that yes. works. It is like saving is, a, a there's child. There's nothing to redeem. She has done nothing wrong. Yeah, yes. it's like saving a child from a literal sex trafficking ring and the first thing you say is, I forgive you. It's like, <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah, <laughs> and it's, you're welcome. What do and, you mean? <laughs> right. And making her like a blameless victim works in the like romance genre lens because like people aren't like, Anyone you're rooting for to get together is never actually like bad. They they are they almost always are misunderstood in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like you judge them at first glance, and then later they come, they surprise you, and they aren't who you thought they were. Like the mm-hmm. trope is almost kind of like marriage of convenience, but with like a whole bunch of trauma around it. But but like if she had chosen to have an abortion, if she'd been like, I am terrified of bringing a baby into this like abusive man's household where he's a pedophile, or like, and the complications of that were that she can't have children anymore. She's she she believes that she she's like can't have children, or she chose to get sterilized in some way to be like, I don't want to be able to have because children because I want to be an independent woman or whatever. Like yeah, that or, might even or though even that if she had yeah. Even if her motives sucked, there would be something for him mm-hmm. to have to forgive. But yes. at every state, at every point that he make her, not only is she blameless, she's also like exceptional. Mm-hmm. So like the metaphor to me is that like the whole point is that like God's supposed to love the people that that the world does not deem worthy. But she has every she's like the most beautiful girl in not only city, like the not even the whorehouse, like the world. This, yes. She's like the most beautiful, sought after beautiful girl. She has this, like, long golden hair. She's, like, an ad for, like, the Aryan race. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, my God. The golden Perfect barrel angel. waves, no matter what. Uh, and, and She's I, smart. Waves. She's bunny. I, I do want to address yes. this in all sincerity. Abigail Cowan, the young woman who plays Angel slash Sarah, actually, in the movie, mm. is naturally a redhead, and the fact that they changed oh. her to blonde is colorism, <laughs> and we're not talking about this enough. Oh, my gosh. So hard for your and community. On, a, on oh. behalf of my community, I think D DJ and Francine have a little <laughs> explaining to do. Well, the Christ- Christians only like to root for but, blondes. That's really what it comes down to. Really, that, that's what Caroline said in the theater. She's like, Christians love a little blonde girl. They love a long Seriously. blonde. They can't. T- there's like, no other romantic woman but a long blonde. <laughs> it is not. It is not. And that hard blonde hair was doing God a lot to of call work. you. It was doing a lot of it work. It was a costume. That was Carson's uh, big bone uh, to pick. Carson's big bone yeah. to pick was that her long hair was always Ariel, Ariel Little Mermaining, so it was always covering her nips. nips. You never saw a single nipple uh-huh. the whole show. <laughs> and the areola. And Carson's whole bone to pick was just like not even one nip. The whole time. Can't do nip. We can show Please a give lot us of hair and make you think not about it, one. but and just like, you cannot see a nip. Yeah. So <laughs> that's not how hair works. You got to be able to see this with your dad. So I just... I'm so sorry, Kevin. I just have so I no. just think it would be a God metaphor if she was the ugliest pros- like sex worker in Thank the world. Thank you. Like, if it yes. was like the world. Ah, if she was like actually a cruel person for no reason or like the, if the I don't know. If the or world if it was did not the deem Duke her worthy. That got redeemed. If the Duke and the main yeah, guy fell in love, it's like I sense. forgive you, yes. you know, for the horrific crimes yes. you've yes. committed. I just 
I just feel like it's like, it's just a, a Disney princess thing, right? It's like the exceptional, beautiful, perfect, blameless person is victimized, thrown in a tower, evil king. And then like John Wayne comes in and slays the evil king and takes the girl. I'm like, that's not the God metaphor at all. Mm-hmm. At all. And I, that just bugs, bugs me. Like God is supposed to be is. pursuing us despite us being amazing. <laughs> yeah, like a oh, kind of Only incredible. if you're like the prettiest girl in the Bible study. Yeah, yeah and, and, just... and it sucks too because like the only way she ever comes back around to him and like learns to, I think, move past a lot of the horrible stuff is she's just like, oh, I just needed to start praying. You know, and like the first prayer she says is the first time like she gets help out of nowhere in her life, you know, and that guy comes in but and like, rescues her and like sets her free. And I'm like, that sucks too, you know, like, cause that also implies that it's because she was faithless her entire life, that, that all this stuff mm-hmm. has happened to her and why yeah. she hasn't been able to receive help or get out of this situation in some way. Like, again, it assigns responsibility to her for, for her yeah. life, <laughs> which we saw, like but you it, said, all just happened to her. Like, there, she had no agency in so many situations and was just, like, constantly being brutalized. Yeah, the, the yeah, Christian—I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say no, the Christianity part of it in terms of the adaptation, it's a lot more explicit in the book in the sense of it is God's love that is redeeming. It is not the the love of this weird dirt farmer guy <laughs> who seems to have a strange relationship with a sheep that we don't really interrogate and enough. dead sister. Uh, yes, and it's like, where are my dead sister's clothes uh, yeah. at one point? But yeah. uh, it's not his love that redeems her and his steadfastness and his persistence or whatever you want to call it. It is God's love. That's way more explicit in the book where there's more internal monologue mm. and there's a little more built out of God saying like, don't you see angel or whatever he says. And in the movie, they do have to play with that a little bit more. And it is a little more opaque. The reason of like, what is it? What is the thing that's redeeming her? And obviously the intent of the people involved in making it is like, yeah, it's God's love. That's redeems, but what redeems people, but they just chose not to depict it or it's hard to depict in a, in a cinematic Mm. fashion. So you do lose some of that. Mm. Uh, But it is interesting because it's like, I don't even know, especially now, in 2022, at this age, like, what does it mean that, like, God's love redeems us? And obviously, it's like, well, thematically, it would be God's love as exhibited by the people in the church. And so it would be his love on whatever level. But I agree with you, Janielle, that it is sort of a uh, creaky metaphor that the whole thing yeah. is built on. And Michael Did you read the book recently? Yeah. No, I was just no, I was just skimming just it. Skimming it. Okay. Yeah, and I do yeah, have a little I, uh, section pulled up. For okay, us we'll if check we in. I, I wish I had read the book again because yeah, I was just going off of the memory of the, mm. the the film, and in the film, God is essentially just Disney. He's like, you know, Elsa's powers will come back to her when she most needs them. Like that's all God is. God is just like this great force that swoops in mm-hmm. just because it's like the third act climax. Like God wasn't there for her mom when her mom prayed. God wasn't there for Lucky. And the other girl, when they burnt up in the fire, the other two yeah. sex workers who were her friends, like God is not there for anybody except for Michael and Angel slash Sarah just because it's the third act climax. Mm-hmm. And then, then there yes. he is. And he's like, he's the whoosh of the wind. Woo. You can paint with That's all the colors of the wind. That's a good point too. Yeah. Like God and I was is like present in, those mo- in the like other darker moments of her life as well. Do you think it's because I, those other women weren't hot enough uh, <laughs> they were to mourn God's love? 
The sin of um, choosing to be brunette and to be any sort of other ethnicity. Because they weren't white and American. Uh, Yeah, that might be the case. The other, I I know I'm beating this like a dead horse, but the other thing is like Michael Hosea is also not a great stand-in for God because he truly like never really seeks to understand what her life is like. Does he ask her one Mm -hmm. question about like how she Mm -hmm. got to where she was? No, Mm -hmm. he assumes like, this is such an awesome fucking gift that I'm going to take her to my dirt farm that she should be like on her knees thanking me all the time. And like, how nice am I that I keep picking her up even though she's so hot. And like, I've just decided I want her and God told me. Um, I don't think God would treat her like that either. Like God would sit with her and weep with her and understand her trauma and understand why sex is complicated and all those things. And then like create a relationship where she feels safe or something instead of just kind of like, capturing her and telling her that's freedom. Yeah. Yes. I think you are allowed to be horny about this book as a romance novel and be like, isn't it fun when someone you find attractive chases you on a horse? Yeah. Yes. Objectively. (laughs) Yes. I want to be chased by someone on a horse of the gender that I prefer. (laughs) Like that. Correct. Or you are allowed to be like, um, God loves his people a lot, and I'm going to try to infer that from Hosea. I do not think you can mix them in this movie. Maybe the book you can. Maybe the book is way more, like, explicit about that stuff. But in the film, I just don't think you get both. You got to pick one. Can I do a little reading from the book real quick? Yes, you can. Okay. Well, you know. (laughs) Yes, you may. There's, um, uh, because it is a Christian romance novel, there's not too much in the way of explicit titillating erotica in terms of descriptiveness and, like, her perky nipples were blah, blah, blah. There's not really much of that. But there are some inferences in the sense of, like, uh, what this married in the context of covenant marriage, one man, one woman, sex life looks like. And so I want to read the following passage from Francine Rivers' book. (laughs) (sighs) When he came in, she served him supper. I love you, Michael Hosea. I love you so much, I'm dying of it. The breeze stirred the wind chimes, filling the cabin with pleasant ringing. She managed a frail, thank you. He didn't seem to expect more. When he finished eating, she ladled hot water from the big iron pot over the fire to wash dishes. Michael took her wrist and turned her toward him. Leave the dishes. When he began to loosen her hair, she could scarcely breathe. She was trembling and embarrassed. Where was her calm, her control? She was shattering it. He was shattering it with tenderness. Oh my God. Combing his fingers into her hair, he tilted her head back. He saw the fear in her eyes. I promise to love and cherish you, to honor and sustain you in sickness and in health, in poverty and in wealth, in the bad that may darken our days, in the good that may light our way. Tizra, beloved, I promise to be true to you in all these things until I die. And even beyond that, God willing, she stood staring at him, shaken to the core. And what have I to promise you? His eyes lit with gentle humor. To obey? Look. He lowered his mouth to hers. When he kissed her, Angel was lost in a wilderness of new sensations. It had never felt like this. Warm and wonderful, exciting and right. None of the old rules applied. She forgot everything she had ever learned from other masters. She was dry ground soaking in a spring rain. A flower bud opening to the sun. Michael knew and gently coaxed her with tender words flowing over her like the sweet balm of Gilead healing her wounds. And she flew, Michael with her, into the heavens. Earthbound once more, Michael smiled. You're crying. I am? She touched her cheek and found a single tear. 
Don't look at me like that, he said, kissing her. It's a good sign. But when Michael awakened in the morning, Angel was gone. So that's the kind of prose that's in... Oh. oh my god the book. I'm remembering why I liked this book so much Yeah, I think we figured it out Y'all Man, I, I wonder why all the Christian women in my life Were obsessed I'm with so, it yeah. okay. It was and so And so now imagine you also like Are not entirely clear on the mechanics This is what you think sex is going to be like When you marry your husband It's just sort of You're going to get transported to <laughs> yeah, heaven Your head tilts It's like a vibe And then you like Nothing garden specific <laughs> There's just like a generalized sense of orgasm. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I have to look forward to. And you're going to (laughs) cry. Yeah, she like cry next is what it sounds like. Like quoting biblical phrases is so nuts. God bless. Wow. Okay, Okay. that was nice. The content of this movie. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Shanyel. No, the the one of the repressed memories that was unlocked thanks to your Godforsaken podcast and this assignment <laughs> was that I remembered that I was older than probably is like um uh is a pro like that you would think for this story older than is cute and my friend had just gotten was about to get married and I think she was twenty and I was twenty one and this other woman in the church who had just gotten married like a week or two before. Um, she's a little older than us. She came over oh, and no. she was like, you know what? I wanted to tell you like before we get married, oh, shit. Um, I just wanted you to know like on your wedding night and stuff, it doesn't always work. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? What's it? I don't understand what you mean. She's like, it just doesn't always work. And I don't want you to feel like embarrassed or like ashamed. If that happens to you, I just think you should know because I wish someone had told me. What a and I was like, nightmare. I, I, I what don't know it? what you're saying. Which it? I know what you're saying, and I, and I and I and I need to know. And I think what I understand is she was saying like I did an orgasm from having penetrative sex with my husband the night of my wedding, and I was so disappointed about that. Like it doesn't always work. You don't always come. Like you don't oh, always orgasm. Interesting. I thought that and was going to be a like he doesn't always boner thing. Show up. No. Sorry. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. I mean, maybe it was, but whatever it was, my 21-year-old brain, like, I did, like, a little bit of research. I asked, like, my other friend who was, like, slightly more worldly. Like, I don't know. She walked sex in the city. Yeah. And she told me that she thought, that, she thought that's what it meant. And I was um, I was devastated. Oh, yeah. I was absolutely devastated because I had thought once I got married, I would get to have this thing that would just be orgasmic for free. It would just be, like, he puts his penis inside me it and happens. it feels amazing. Yeah. And that's why they're ta- that's why they don't want us to do it, right? Because like it's just gonna be so amazing. Yes. Because the way everyone had talked about sex for always, I now realize was completely from a male gaze. It was always like you put your penis inside of her and it feels it's amazing just and you orgasm. Awesome. It's over. I, I did not know that I would not have the counter experience of that the same way. And I was, it was like Santa Claus wasn't real. I was crushed. Oh, I was yeah. devastated. Cause I was so excited to have something that just, like, wasn't performative. It was just, like, this hot, sexy, fun thing for free I was going to have with my husband one day. And I was like, oh, so you mean, like, you could, like, pretend it works oh, and you won't know? So sad. And, Wait, people don't pretend, Or there's, do like, they? pressure. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, they never do. Oh, it's physically impossible. Wait, what? Um, or, to do. <laughs> or there's, you like— You guys are wrong. It was just— That's so—and especially was, reading passages like this where it's, like, it's so yes. vague and it's just, like— yeah, I could imagine someone touching me like that because I have not been touched, and that would be all it takes. <laughs> and it like, would just wham, transport I'm me. heaven bound. You I'm go crying, to heaven. I'm back to earth. You and go to that heaven. happened. Yeah, and you're, that's such a good point. I never thought about it because it was describing Which what it's is, like for men to just like have sex right away. Uh, that is very different. Which is my biggest bone to pick over out of all of the bones is that when they hey. finally have sex. 
when they finally have sex in the film, when they're finally like all walls coming down, he kisses her for about 25 seconds and then he penetrates her. Close and on. that's supposed to be her close on. That's supposed to be her life-changing sexual experience. That has been nothing like any other experience oh my any man God. before. And what they should have done is they should have, he should have, they should have tender, they should have made out for longer. We would have waited. We would have enjoyed it. Oh yeah. And then like it's like dawn, like li- like light is breaking behind them. He should have, I can see it in my head. He could kiss her and then he kisses down her stomach. Yeah. We know what that means. Yes. He should have gone down on her. Yes. That wow. would have been. Because Wouldn't what other been, man had she been with who would have gone down on her in 1850 like Prospector Town? That's such <laughs> right? a good point. I don't even, like, she wouldn't have even maybe, I mean, maybe she would have, but also, like, that wouldn't have been part of the concept of someone that would be reciprocating during sex and caring for her. That would, would show real love. it would have been sacrificial. Yeah, It would have been sacrificial love. I mean, it would barely. have been in service of her comfort <laughs> and her pleasure. <laughs> oh, I want to sacrifice. He's really laid okay. it down. The nice guy sh- the nice guy should have finished last, is all I'm saying. Finished yeah. last, okay. Yes. Well, that- he should have slowly taken her clothes off and just been like, yes. wow. Or like, I don't know, anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 I mean, he does start with a little Tarantino action. He does wash her feet oh, Jesus Christ. for a little bit. <laughs> uh, and, you know, they could have gone up from there. But that is one thing that yes. I think is a little brain-breaking uh, for us to reflect on now, and even in the community today in 2022, in the evangelical community, is sex in this movie. Because the whole premise is that sex is wonderful. Sex is something God made for straight man, straight woman in marriage. And so in the movie, it is depicted as such. Sex is wonderful in covenant marriage. To depict that, they do have pretty, you know, like, you know, PG-13, but they have pretty romantic, slightly steamy sex scenes, which is unprecedented for any Mm-hmm. movie bearing the moniker of a Christian movie of any sort. There's no oh, dry humping and God's not dead. There's no fingering yeah. in, uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, like, Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. You're not supposed to see Christmas. anything that's supposed to, like, cause arousal at all. Yes. So, in the book, that's one thing, because it's just, like, people are, are less afraid of, of book erotica, I think, in the mm-hmm. 90s and 2000s, because it's not literally porn on their TV. Uh, if you check in with the Christian blogosphere and certain like people in the space right now, Ooh, they, they are losing their minds over it because they are <laughs> depicting, even though it is covenant, quote unquote marriage, they, they are losing their mind over the fact that there is like mild thrusting, there is sounds, there's a little bit of moaning, there's side boob at mm, some side point. Side boob, big time. There's partial nudity. She's washing herself in the mm. river. I was like, I think I saw a nipple, maybe. No partial dong, though. Oh. Partial <laughs> boob, uh, <laughs> but no partial dong. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. and also, even if it is depicting covenant marriage, the actors themselves That's are not exactly married, so I bet that technicality oh, really bothers them. You're supposed to Kurt Cameron kiss your Kurt wife. Kurt Cameron it. Go, unless to, they, go to the silhouette uh, Unless cam. they did do a face swap and, like... <laughs> Although, I did a little digging. Abigail Cowan and the other actor are not married to each other, I don't believe, unfortunately. don't break my fantasy like I just think it would have been more worshipful if it was sexier. Sure. It would have been more worshipful. It would have been more It was not like a a woman's fantasy either, you know? Like, if this movie is for us, you know, like a, a cis hetero woman or whatever. It wasn't even like yes. something you, we would want. I didn't even think about that. I was watching that. Jean-Yale. Well, and Jean like, wow. makes a good and point too about like the buildup, <laughs> because that's one thing I think uh, a lot of listeners of this podcast 
are familiar with as a concept is that Christians are uh, maybe singularly good at foreplay because that's most of what any of us have <laughs> ever done <laughs> until like oh, our yeah. mid to late yeah. 20s or beyond, perhaps. For oh. always. Amazing. So, that, so, yeah, most people have just edged for about two and a half to three and a half <laughs> yeah. decades before uh, entering yeah. into anything. Yeah. So, yes, to not depict that is, uh, is a little bit You know bit what criminal. I think is actually supposed to be romantic about that as well, uh, the, the, the buildup of this movie, is that she was so willing to have sex, but he didn't. And that was supposed to be, like, mm-hmm. mind-blowingly horny mm-hmm. for I'm her. Horny. And he's yeah, like, no. because women are typically the gatekeepers of purity yeah. and the relationship and the fact that he was. It's like, oh, what a special, like, extra pure, wonderful man, you know, mm-hmm. that he didn't try to, like, yeah. immediately jump on me. No. I needed to be, like, 50% more female gazy. Yes. It Which, was just such a missed opportunity. So true. It because is, this is the only horny movie that a lot of, that there's a whole category of women, young women. This is the only horny movie they will be allowed to watch. Yeah. There's just if so that. little At least officially available. sanctioned. If that. Yes. <laughs> if that. Yes. If that. And I just, I just feel like it's such a missed opportunity to like program something about female pleasure in your concept of like your worshipful Christian sex life in the future. Because- they don't tell you that until right before they think you're going to get married. And then they try to tell you all at once all of the things. And that then they you tell you know. it might not work. And also, but, don't even yes. try to prioritize that. Just make sure he's like satisfied. But it, yeah, you cannot undo whatever, whenever you think your beautiful baby daughter is going to get married, you cannot undo 20 years of programming of a cisgendered male female script of what sex is supposed to be. You can't undo that in like the two weeks before a wedding. And I saw so many of my friends who were so unhappy mm-hmm. with their sex life. I just, I just, I just want to counter program them. I know. And this might've been, maybe the, make a bunch of Christian like, That's why movies. we get worked up. Is like, this might've been the avenue for that, you know, to like shoehorn it into yeah. this community. And it was not, you know, again, <sighs> Man, Ugh. that would be a good ministry is just like horny evangelical women. Yeah. <laughs> or like or like if I make them all Christian movies and they're like beautiful Christian movies, but like I add in like all this like yonic imagery, like people are like <laughs> always like t- touching orchids a certain way or like licking fruit a certain <laughs> yes. way. And it's like Lots never really explained. <laughs> yeah. But it's just uh-huh. like that image would be lodged in your brain because there's just so little, there's so few avenues for like female desire when you're young. Like I had so few ways to like, and you cannot imagine what you desire in a vacuum. You have to have modeled for you what you can desire. Like you have to see what it is like for two people to be in love, to be like, oh, I want that. And I just wish there were like even mild ways of modeling Mm -hmm. female desire. I I think there's a great think piece to be written. I'm not going to do it though. Uh, Someone else can do it. Uh, (laughs) About like the parallel lives of the influence of redeeming love Primarily on Christian women and and I Kiss Dating Goodbye, primarily on Christian men, but also very much on women as well. How they're probably, I mean, it feels like I Kiss Dating Goodbye probably had a little more of a footprint in terms of damage <laughs> that it did to people. <laughs> but Redeeming Love, I don't find to be that dissimilar in terms of the thematics that it is preaching. It's just being shot through, allegedly, a female gaze, you know, Francine, mm. as the author. Uh, but, and, and, you know, cloaked in, in, in fiction rather than, like, non-fictional instruction. Uh, but it feels pretty similar in the sense of, like, the kind of message that's packaging. It's just packaging it in do a different way. Do you think, for men, this movie is, like, furthering the pressure of, like, in order to be a good Christian husband, you have to be willing to, like, die for your wife and be, like, Christ for her and be, like, the perfect leader who's, like, her spiritual 
Yeah, but a lot of people like that. I mean, like I I could imagine uh, there's so many personalities I remember from, you know, formerly Mm -hmm. in my life that are like, yeah, that's what it is. It's just like taking it on the chin and like no matter what and Mm. she might be this and that and she's crazy and volatile, but you just stand by your woman and and like uh, they would say what Michael Hosea does in the movie is servant leadership. You got to lead yeah. your wife, but do it like a servant. You wash your feet, but you're still leading her when you do it. Uh, I think mm. that's made very explicit in this movie. Mm. So, yes, it does exacerbate the pressure in that way. But in for some people, for a lot of men, it's like right in their strike zone of like, hell yeah. Mm. I can't wait to lead my wife by sucking on them little piggies. Mm. No, no, thank you. <laughs> I feel like I would have so been, much pressure. if I was reading this as like a younger person, I would have unfortunately been more turned on by like, what happened with her and her brother-in-law or like the other men at the brothel oh, than what happens with her husband. You know, like the, the I remember we had a guest on a few weeks ago. I'm forgetting her name right now. But like the ravishment fantasy is like really popular with Christian oh, women yeah. because like it's this weird backdoor of like having sex, you know, mm. in your fantasy. Yeah. But it's like, yes. it happened to me. So I'm not like responsible. And also like, it's really mm-hmm. sexy or whatever, but also not entirely healthy when you think about it in there, retrospect. You there know? is, you know, you have to consider the meta text of, of like how these things come about. And Francine Rivers is not a pastor. She's not a preacher. She's not even like adjacent in the space, like a Beth Moore type. Uh, so as far as like Christian women go, who are, uh, you know, in positions of influence, in the community, she's probably the highest in the sense of like novelists and fiction writers. And this is a product of like a lot of internalized belief system and ideology, mm-hmm. one of which could be in similar, almost like as a twin parallel to the ravishment fantasy, is that like the ideal position for a, qu- a Christian woman is to just lie there and and take it and hope that he's good to you in a way, you know? Like she, she speaks mm-hmm. about like, she had an abortion when she was in college and it's the shame of her life. And she wrote a novel about it, blah, blah, blah. Like, so it's mm. all informed by like, mm. uh, this is maybe not a girl boss per se, as far as like Christian <laughs> uh, women novelists go. This is a woman who's probably like internalized a lot of the um, uh, patriarchy and misogyny that's inherent in any Orthodox Christian reading of the Bible and scripture in that sense. And yes, the woman in this is very passive. She's just kind of tossed around from thing to thing. It's less like, uh, like you say, Janielle, like uh, redeeming someone who screwed up and made a mistake and did something wrong and they know they're wrong. It's like training a dog that was abused. It's like you found a mm, dog on yeah. the side of the road and it's like, all right, well, this this dog's really shitty and bites me. I'll crate him for a little bit and then we'll work on tricks and then we'll work on what. Like, that's what it feels like more than like- Just turn you into a good dog. Yeah, yeah. more mm-hmm. than a human relationship. It's like, okay, I'm a good master. Obviously, goes without saying, look at all my dirt. Uh, <laughs> so how do I make this- Incredible uh, dirt. Yeah. This- also, my brother is coming back because he's actually a good guy and he didn't mean it. Ugh. And he's at the the singing circle now. So you mm. need to just get over it. He's re- He feels really <laughs> he feels bad. he feels super bad bad about Sorry. it. He cried. He actually cried about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of dogs, best part of this movie was the dog. It had little like nice sound dog. effects when he found something crazy. <laughs> I love the dog. <laughs> or when he was turned on, he was play. like, <laughs> the dog is the pal. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There was a that dog was really good. Um, yeah. The other thing yeah. that is uh, disappointing about this is she 
does finally move on from being a prostitute, which took a great deal of work on her part. I don't know where she learned how to cook, but she did that. And from Michael, was, from Michael Jose. Remember, he's like has this. He's oh, like showing her. That's how she learned. That's okay. the whole point. Oh, he was he training her, her to make Wait, his food. You're saying a man who <laughs> cooks? Wow, what a dream! A man. So she like got that oh. job, and then she got thrown out, and then she got another job where she like opened a huge center training women to like learn math and reading and then as soon as mm. someone's like you should just go back to Michael Hosea she's like yeah fuck this center goodbye I'm gonna go like have a family and leave this behind and you like we never see it again it's pretty much like immaterial to the story I thought that would have been redeeming love like that is her redeeming her own story and now like stopping the cycle of abuse that she experienced and then all the students could have been like her children yes yeah, she was opening up her own, you know, speaking of Fonka Jansen, yes. her own little X-Men Academy of like, hey, you've had a tough life. Let's figure it out together. And she was like, JK. She goes back to Michael Hosea. It's really his name. After three years, says, actually, my name's not Angel. It's Sarah. Sarah, of course, being the biblical parallel because Sarah was also in the Bible, uh, a woman who's thought to be pa- a barren who then conceived of a child. And we do see- Oh my God. Her- Wow. Yeah. Her flash to, Way to go, Kevin all her children- at the end of the movie. What, what she was a, super old, too, by then. She was, like, 25. She was, like, 26 <laughs> yeah. or something decrepit. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that was... It was... Um, a Caroline and I... That just, part got to me. What, the, Were you laughing when the baby comes out? <laughs> oh, the, yeah. Yes. I was of upset. course. <laughs> okay. I Car- Caroline said, in the theater, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Listen, that is okay. I, it's moving, They're- but also I was just I I I don't know. Like I think that is a really like lovely ending for a lot of people, but unfortunately to me, it's just like oh yeah, it just plays right into like wife and mother. It does stereotype role for this woman, and that's like the ultimate ending for her. You know, it's it again not to reference Thirty Rock too much, but it is the Kenneth Parcell joke of yeah, exactly. She, she went on to be. A wife. <laughs> yeah. And again, after you just saw yes. this like burgeoning, beautiful center of like all these women, you yes. know, it was just like, oh, I wish she could have had maybe had a little bit of both. Can the women have it all? I don't know. But um Pants yeah. is absolutely not <laughs> a question. And the glowy question. Like, and we she's doing his hobby, which is fishing. <laughs> also, oh, you're just, so like, right. Kills me, you know. Listen, I am, it's broken in here. And when anyone, anytime anyone like hasn't had anything, like that's why I think she's a good romance novelist is like the way she wrote this is she created a drought and then gave you rain again and again and again. Yeah. Nothing is like realistic. It's just like she makes someone super, super evil. And then she, then he gets hanged. And you're like, yeah, that feels good. Mm -hmm. And then she like says she can never have a baby. She's devastated about it. She thinks it makes her unworthy. And then she has her baby. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. It works. Like it, it, yes. the dopamine, like just the way yes. it drips, <laughs> it did it for me. That and the other part I cried, the part that really got me and Carson had this, so Carson's like a therapist now. She's like a whole ass therapist. Oh, wow. And so she was like doing this whole thing through like a trauma informed lens. Mm. And she's like, oh, he should not be having sex with her. Like this is. A, yes. Um, oh my but, God. Yes, Thank you. She's on your side. <laughs> but the moment where um, she comes back and then she is like rubbing herself with the rocks and she's. Yeah. Her with her body. Like, that is, like, such a... I know it's, like, a trope for the woman after she has some sort of, like, violating sexual experience to, like, be in the shower and scrub, scrub, scrub. But it was just so effective for how many 
Like the only female gazy parts were like the punishy parts. Like they got that part right. <laughs> they just didn't get the sexy parts right. Because mm-hmm. like that feeling of like my body is not my own and I feel yeah. very depersonalized and I don't know what to do with this like flesh sack that everyone keeps looking at. Because like the part of her being beautiful that I do think is interesting is successfully identifying this sort of like liability you have when mm-hmm. you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of pretty privilege, but then there's also like like, in hindsight, I understand that I was, like, cute, do you know? Like, I was, like, a beautiful young woman. I didn't know that at the time because I was, you know, 14 and had hips before my friends did. But, like, men would talk to me at the grocery store if my mom walked away. Do you know? Like, it was, like, mm-hmm. a liability mm-hmm. to be considered attractive. And that's, I think, an interest. I don't I, that, that Maybe I was just superimposing my own sort of, like, poetry over that moment. But just that feeling of, like... I didn't ask for like perfectly symmetrical tits and this like gorgeous blonde hair, you know, like, <laughs> and here I am. Huge and ass. Then, yeah, but and I, I have this I, power over that, them that's not a power. That tracks with earlier parts of the movie when they like walk her through the town, like literally just yeah. to be stared at. Like you can tell she's not enjoying that moment really. And she yeah. knows like this is both my power, but this is also the reason I am like abused huge target so on your thoroughly. Back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something about that that just feels, Yeah, I don't know. I want to burn it to the ground. We should all be hideous. Amen. What do you think the Rotten Tomatoes score of this movie is currently? Oh, God. What do you think the critic score and the audience score is? Oh, I mean, the audience (sighs) score is like 99%. (laughs) (laughs) According to all of the women in Dallas, Texas on Saturday night, it's a resounding. 10 out of 10. Perfect movie. (laughs) And Dallas women have a stranglehold in the Rotten Tomatoes community. Absolute monopoly. Hollywood is beholden to them. Um, Um, I think the critics are at like, 70? They're probably like, they used a good lens oh. at one point. Uh-huh. I'm even at like a 23. Okay. Caroline says 23. Oh. Janielle says 70. And then we're saying- I like, always do great on a curve. An, audi- <laughs> an audience score in perhaps the 90s. Uh, okay. Yeah, for sure. So the I actual uh, critical score for Redeeming Love on Rotten Tomatoes is a whopping 11%. Uh, and oh. the audience <laughs> score is 95%. Yes! <laughs> as of recording 11. this. 11. I just low. think my brain is broken. I was just, I was playing out the scenes from being 14. While, and I was like, oh, that's her. That's the girl. Like, it felt like Twilight. It was actually a better adaptation of the book than I think Twilight was an adaptation of the book, right? Yeah. It was like, the people look like how they described them looking. Yes. And they got almost every scene. Yeah. And I don't think your brain like, is broken. I think that's just oh, literature. You know, I just think that got in life. there. Yeah. <laughs> that, it just got in there too early. It's and so there. as I was watching, I was like, they did it. I was like checking <laughs> the boxes. Like, and at the end, I was like, you did it. You passed. <laughs> you did the book. You adapted. Congratulations. They did do the book. You adapted. You did do and the book. did it competently. God. Nina Dobrev, Famke Jansen. Nina <gasps> Dobrev. Uh, Can we talk McDane. about that? Casting? Wow. The way McSteamy is like evil now. He's evil on Euphoria too. Doesn't he also mm-hmm. have sex yeah. with a teenager that? Sorry, spoilers for yeah, Euphoria. I don't know. I just watched the TikToks. Yeah, what a terrible uh, typecasting. To yeah, have I was about to say. Your life. <laughs> I mean, weird rebrand. Like a total nightmare. He's happy to work. I'm sure he has a nice house, but it is a bummer. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm the assaulting children <laughs> guy in my Yikes. career now. Okay. Uh, that would be a, like a horrible thing. Like, oh, I have a face for that. Like, that's what you're telling me by this casting. Oh, I know. Man. Well, he's done other stuff too, I yeah. suppose. But. Mm-hmm. Good grief. Maybe we should get to our final thoughts on <laughs> redeeming love. Mm, right. You know how this works, Danielle. We give it a roast or a toast. Holy toast is we give it a thumbs up. We'd send it all the way to heaven. Like, we're all having sex. Because you do ascend to the heavens, and then you cry. Holy roast is when we send it down. Or if we're not sure, we can put it in purgatory. Allah. The space between. 
Caroline, in servant leadership, I'm going to start with you. Thank you. Oh. Way to lay down your life. Um, I, I'm looking over my <laughs> notes from this movie, and it <laughs> I is, know I have a. It's just really shocking, like how much happened, and uh, I I have to say they did they did add a little um, humanizing moment for Michael Hosea, so I have to give a small amount of credit. He talked. <laughs> He, he talks about his they, father hat. She was like, okay, this is this was the They say the he has dialogue. a weird dick in the movie. He has a dick <laughs> yeah. like a sippy strip. So we can all understand. <laughs> yeah. But she says, I don't know how to love. I've got too many demons. And he says, tell me more about that. Explain. Just kidding. What he says is, my father was my demon. He owned slaves, and I told him when he died, I freed them all. And then proceeds to tell a story of his dad, like basically sending a slave into his room and like trying to get him to have sex with her. And then didn't he like kill her or something like that? Like the dad killed her to like prove a point or something. So that was pretty horrifying for Michael to Hosea. It's a, yeah, it's a screenwriting save the slave moment, save the cat (laughs) moment, unfortunately. Yeah. And so I guess that's supposed to also like feed into the like, wow, what a good guy he is around sex. He's pretty Um, blameless as a character. There's no fundamental flaw of like, Michael, you've screwed up as well in this minor way. It's just like, no, you're great and you're still great. Yeah. And to the point where at the end of the movie, she apologizes him for all the pain I have caused you. Again, we we ask what mm. what she what we would have done if we were in her position. I don't know what other choices she had. And you got to imagine the male editors at whatever the publishing company was just absolutely nutting over like this woman wrote this novel where the woman <laughs> apologizes <laughs> at the end to this man who is perfect pretty much. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What a dream. Um also shout out to Bagel Daigle for her appearance at the end That's of this right. film. That's right. I will rescue you, Lauren the Bagel Daigle, the most popular Christian oh, recording artist. Artist, Kevin does, was like Daigle in this, and I was like, "How would Daigle not be on this soundtrack?" Like, the, I don't know what choice they had. Daigle Bite season two coming soon. Really? A new podcast with a new format. She's talking to new people. Maybe we'll be some of them. We got to tune into that again. Yeah. I really enjoy or Daigle Bites. It, yes. Um, so all that said, holy roast for me. Um, did uh, the movie shocked me? Uh, not in a fun way. Uh, I was quite disappointed. Mm. But um, I also, I hear for the people that have a relationship with this movie, and maybe it was satisfying like it was for Jean-Yel on, on some levels. And for well, Angel. I don't know if I would go that <laughs> yeah, far. Yeah, maybe that's a wow, strong Wow, you really word. gifted her with a lot there. <laughs> um, yeah, just truly shocking. And like, again, a really violent movie. So like, watch at your own risk. It's not like your normal Christian movie. So just keep that in mind. I'll, I wouldn't have wanted to watch I'll it. I'll say this for the for the cinephiles out there in this Christian movie Redeeming Love there is an old boy subplot old boy is this uh, movie that there was an uh, I believe it's a Japanese re- uh, movie that there was an American remake with um, Elizabeth Olsen and uh, Josh Brolin in which uh, what happens to the father and daughter in that movie happened to the father and daughter oh, in my this God. movie I kind of don't, don't want to talk to I don't about either. the oh, like, again shit. just Straight up horrifying. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god! Because in that movie, it's a it's a full I horror forgot. movie that that thing occurs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in this, it's just like a little color, just a little side and scene, not necessary oh really at all. Uh, it, just it, nightmare, in any way. nightmare material. In this I was movie. fourteen. Fourteen. I can't what believe children to- were reading this. <laughs> it's crazy. I think I just had that experience where someone just like tells their friends a story from their childhood and laughs, and their friends all look at them like. 
are you okay? Yeah. yeah. And they're like, yeah, that's just like, we pooped in the bucket out back and your dog tried to kill you. And they're, the, and they're like, this, none of this is wrong. No. I think I just had that experience talking to you all about this movie that seemed sort of normal to me because I read the book when I was 14. Yeah. Because now that you're saying the things out loud back to me, this is horrible. 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 But when I watched it, I was like, oh, yep, there's that scene. It is like there's that X rated like nightmare stuff. It's crazy. So this is like (laughs) gonzo. I I don't know. Euphoria can't hold a candle to how (laughs) nasty this movie is. I think I need, (laughs) I think I need to either think a lot more about this or just never think about this ever again. I would put it way back in the trunk and bury it. Yeah. (laughs) Shania, if we do have Francine Rivers on the podcast where people did reach out to us to have her on for real, what would you want us to ask her? I would want you to ask her to what extent does she feel that women having like full and powerful sex is healing for them? Mm. Because she was a romance novelist. Like that's what she was doing before she was like had a conversion story. That's what she was doing. So somewhere in her core values is like women should get off and we shouldn't judge what women get off on. Mm -hmm. And then at some point she became a Christian and then she had to try to fit her worldview with the tropes of the romance novel. Just do a search replace of married, God, love. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then in this fusion, I think there's some sort of unholy alliance. Yes. Where if she had just, like, kept writing towards, like, men being super nice to women and them getting off tremendously, I might personally find that more worshipful. Thumbs up. But something about the the values of the 91s, of 1991 (laughs) conservative Christian values shoved up against her current skill set mm. and language and stuff, I think has, maybe it's, you know what it is? Maybe it's because she has to make sex evil. I wonder That's if true. her early romance novels had like pedophilia or incest or mm. abuse. Like I, I would wager not. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if she had to make some parts of it evil to make the only the angel and Michael so or Sarah and Michael holy. holy and transcendent. Yeah. And so then here we have this like confusingly. One or the other. Like, That's yeah. a good point. Evil. That I think that helped me just make sense of what what what's inside my brain because uh, I I just I think I women know. getting off is holy. That's great. That's wonderful. And I want that. I don't. Don't work too hard on this. You know, it's this. There is no great. satisfaction. Yeah, I'm not gonna at think the, there is no don't worry about there is no you're goodness right. at the end of this maze. But my notes, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, you're not gonna find <laughs> it there. <laughs> But, like, if a woman it's got off wrong. on this film and loved it, uh-huh. am I okay with that? Do I support her choice as a woman? I don't know. I, yeah, I just want to talk. You want to talk. You want to know talk. why. You know, I don't know. Everyone has a kink, I guess. I, but, I, I, yeah. There, there's just better stuff, you know? <laughs> I think my calling is just to write some romance novels that yeah. are holy in there the way go. that I think they are holy. Yeah. And I'll send them to you, Caroline. We Me need too, that. Kevin. Yeah, you thank you. I'd like that. So, I'm in purgatory. Purgatory. Okay. Janielle says purgatory. I'm in the beginning of Dante's Inferno where it's like you're just like looking over and you're like, this is a weird first level. And then he like topples in. Do you uh-huh. know what I mean? I'm just like standing there yeah. in purgatory, maybe going into hell for stay this there. one. I don't know. <laughs> go, go up. Don't go I'm down. I'm going to yeah. stay there. Don't, don't lean <laughs> over. I'm gonna make a don't sandwich. get a better look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make a sandwich a and I'm yeah. going to watch Sit on the bench. The Great British Baking Show. <laughs> yeah. There you oh, go. my God. Good oh. call. Good call. Well, uh, granted <laughs> that uh, – this is the only movie that we've covered on the podcast that's also been a sponsor of the podcast. We're legally obligated to say Holy, Holy Toast. Toast. Actually, 
And guys, make sure you see it in theaters because only in AMC, Heartbreak feels good in a place like that. RedeemingLoveTheMovie.com. That's RedeemingLoveTheMovie.com. They have been a sponsor for the last four weeks on the show. I completely forgot about that. (laughs) That is true. I I can't believe it. This podcast is a sham. Yeah, it really (laughs) is. Do you know what I wanted to do, Kevin? What? I wanted to do another Adventures in Odyssey. That's what I wanted to do. (laughs) We need need to redeem Jean Yell's experience on this show. Redeeming Jean Yell. And have you listen to a horrifying Adventures in Odyssey episode instead. Yeah. I think I should be compensated for this pain and damage. Okay. Yeah, we agree. Where Eugene like has missionary sex with Katrina or something, one of those episodes. I don't know, maybe. There's probably as long as it was nice. They were sweet. Obviously, holy rose for me. Good lord. Uh man. (laughs) (laughs) It was so crazy. I felt uncomfortable sitting next to Kevin watching that movie. Yeah. Like, oh my God. And we're nasty. We're nasty little gremlins. Listen, yeah. We're like, nothing's off the table. Yeah. And we were like, "Uh, well, see you later. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) We ran out of the theater. (laughs) We didn't look at each other. No eye contact. No, no, no. I couldn't. Oh, gracious. So, okay. Uh, You know, watch at your own peril if you're interested. For real. In it. Um, uh, Yeah. A lot of challenging stuff in there. (laughs) A lot of challenging stuff in there. Um, all right, let's bring it down even oh, further more. Maybe we can think of like nice positive examples of romance or. Yeah, or we need some aftercare. Positive erotica um, or like. Oh my gosh. Or I was going to do this thing. I don't know if I ever pitched it to you, Caroline, but for the horny summer screenings we had this past summer, we were going to end it. We never did this, but on a finale in which everyone brings their favorite sex scene. And we screen it. It's like a, a sextival where everyone says, uh, like, this is one of my, the pivotal sex scenes for me. I saw when I was a kid, you know, and nothing ugh, bad. Just I don't like, see that. No, but it'd be fun. Everyone would do these like cute little intros, and we'd, we'd all just watch in silence and Ew. just hear each other breathing. <laughs> see your friend. Oh, this is another thing I have to mention. <laughs> I don't know if it was because of the double masks you were wearing or the, the, the strategic placement of the hair. But at points, I did hear Kevin breathing so loud. <laughs> what? So audibly. <laughs> he was just like, I was like, damn, I gotta get out of here. Is, so that, is that for real? Yeah. Oh my God, Caroline. <laughs> you never said that. It's just the KN95. Like, oh, I need to note this for later so I can ransom about it. Um, no, I, I was, think it was not the turned mask. on. I don't think you were getting enough air in there. No. Oh, my God. No, I was double masked. This is my first um, time in the theater he- since Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Well, I like the cooking idea, Kevin. Scene. Can we just say, like, one nice, sexy thing? Yeah. Just one nice, sexy thing? <laughs> or just one nice, pleasant thing? The one that comes to mind is Mr. Darcy's little hand flex. There you go. Oh, yeah. We love oh, that's that. That's nice. Good stuff. That's hot um, and nice. For me, the the kiss at the end of the last Star Wars movie when Kylo Ren and Aww. Rey kiss. Come on. Aww. Isn't that fulfilling? Isn't that what know. you I've want? I've never seen it. So satisfying. And for me, it's the hot, steamy, explicit sex scene in Marvel's Eternals movie. <laughs> in which Gemma Chan and Richard Organic. Madden just kind of like wiggle next to each just- other. And look, I thought I was going to science school because how much chemistry I was. Listen, it was like Walton Jesse up in there. So much chemistry. Good grief. Okay. Uh, we're dimming lights. We're lighting the candles in here. We're not here to promote ourselves or our own projects. We're here to lift them up to the Lord. And we'll start as usual with Caroline. Don't promote me. Lift me up at Caroline's Farts. 
Um, something I'm going to recommend, just a quaint little TV show called SNL this season. It's just really good. And I, uh, I'm i not like a regular SNL watcher. I was like, see a clip here and there. But Nathan and I have been watching pretty regularly. This season is great. It's so funny. I laughed out loud a lot during it. So I hope if you've, if you've also neglected SNL lately, go back and check in. It's a good season. GCF alumni, James Austin Johnson, yes. Ego Woda. Adriana Robles directing those pre-tapes. Amazing groups. And uh, Amazing cast. Who, who knows who's going to be on next? I guess Janielle will be on next season. Oh, please do. Amazing. Because she, uh, yeah. she did this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Carolyn. We turn to Janielle. Oh, you can. I don't know if you want any more of me. <laughs> I don't know if I trust myself. Oh, the people want more. My brain. Yes. Uh, if you want to double in my brain, you can find me at Janielle Kastner, spelled like Danielle with a J, Janielle Kastner with a K. And my podcast that I made uh, is Untitled Dad Project, where I actually do dip into my trauma a, a lot more responsibly than this experience <laughs> that we just had together. A contained but I do dip into experience. My, uh, <laughs> yeah, I do dip into my childhood trauma, including quite a bit of reckoning with... Um, faith and being told you're a miracle and all that stuff that I got growing up the way I did. So mm. uh, GCF fans, I think, would like would like some of the um, integration For that sure. I do over the course of that process. Um, and I, I, I just don't need to go be in a dark room and breathe for a while. <laughs> hey, I'll, t- I'll show That's you how it's done, maybe. <laughs> feel good. Double I don't feel good. For the best experience. Oh. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. I mean, what's the last great thing you watched or, or, oh, or saw? Oh, uh, saw. Oh gosh, I uh, oh, I just started like White Lotus. I'm really behind, but oh, I'm liking yeah. it so far. I just kind of great. know how it ends. Um, I read something incredible. I read uh, The Midnight Library by Matt Haig, and I loved it. It was a fantastic Ooh. novel about like parallel universes and all the lives we can or can't lead, and why um, even when it doesn't seem like it, maybe life is worth living. In a really lovely, pragmatic. Um, beautiful, honest, not sappy way. I loved it. Ooh, that's that Midnight Library, book. you said? Yeah, the Midnight Library. It's really good for out. anyone with um, clinical anxiety uh, <laughs> or people who obsessively wonder um, if they've made the wrong choices over the course of their life. Oh, sure. Or any unhealthy Enneagram 7s like me. I think that's all podcast book. listeners that you're describing right now. <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. amazing. Fantastic. <laughs> all of you should read it. <gasps> thank you, Janelle. You can lift me up at Kevin T. Porter on Letterboxd, Peloton, and OnlyFans. Uh, thank you to my third subscriber. Uh, no thanks to my Number one subscriber three. who didn't renew. Oh, no. <laughs> so you're, you have two one. subscribers? I think I'm down to two. I haven't checked it in a little oh, bit. One though. in, one out. Yeah. I'm hey, sorry. That's my, that's my way. <laughs> Uh, I will lift up maybe one of my favorite movies of the year I finally saw on Netflix The Lost Daughter in which Dakota Johnson says no that's actually not the truth Coleman not Ellen Uh, an Olivia Coleman weird uh, Elena Ferrante adaptation directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal who you may know as Scarf Girl from Taylor Swift lore and uh, freaking loved it what a tense weird movie Really, really enjoyed it. And it's pretty short. So, you know, you can get through it. It's crazy. I enjoyed that a lot. Loved it. It was a good time. I, I don't know why I loved it so much. I was just like, this. every part of it was so fun for me. Mm-hmm. And interesting. You can lift us up at Christian Fun Pod everywhere. You can go to patreon.com slash goodchristianfun for more good Christian fun. And uh, listen to us cover every single episode of Adventures in oh, Odyssey. This is, this is very important. 
Listeners. Oh, yes. Let's put this call out now. Listen to this. If you listen to nothing else in this podcast, hear me now. Our merch shop is shutting down due to poor sales. To total lack of interest. <laughs> and total lack of care on our part. So there are uh, pins left over. There's T-shirts and things like that. Um, so once they're gone, they are gone. I don't know if we have any plans to like redo our merch, though. If we, if you don't buy them, we will burn them. We will burn them. Yeah. They are going straight to landfill, and you'll have that on your conscience. So please go ahead and check that out. Um, you can find our merch through our link in bio on our Instagram or through goodchristianfund.com. Um, so go and get them while, while they're still here. Pokemon, go get that merch. Pokemon, go get that merch. Please. Please. Uh, <laughs> Janiel, thank you so much thank for you, joining Jean-Yale. us on the show Thank you today. all. Thank you for everything you just did. Love your brain. To me and for Take me. Take care of yourself. Love your heart. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. like we said, go have a reparative yeah. experience. Watch your favorite rom-com or yeah. whatever you need to do. Why? Yeah. You, you and the, yeah. in, in your handsome hubby, double mask up tonight, dim the lights and just <laughs> breathe at each other. And just immediately have sex. You know, 10 <laughs> yeah. seconds kissing uh, and then go. That's foreplay. That's love, baby. <laughs> and there's nothing left to say except for, okay. Thank you, I, Emma. I, I thought it was, I love you. Thank you, Emma. Okay, I love, love you. you. Thank, Thank you, you, Emma. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Our producer and engineer, Emma Erdbrink. And let's go out, of course, with your number one song of the year, uh, Frickin' Rescue by The Bagel herself, Bobo Adele, Lauren Daigle. Scarf McGee. So imagine... A woman in white showing up to a dirt field and being like, I'm sorry that I was trafficked. It was my fault that I've been a prisoner all my life. And then you made me kind of a Stockholm syndrome prisoner of a sort. Please forgive me. Shout out to the uh, very mad Christian YouTuber I watched who said, I was so disappointed that Lauren Daigle let her song be used in this Christian smut film. What? <laughs> Oh. Damn. He loves and respects Lauren. He does not love and respect this project. So think about that next time. I <laughs> All right, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. You in the middle of the darkest night. It's true. That was a HeadGum Podcast.